Our second reading is that famous parable of the prodigal son that takes place in a series of three parables all about something that is lost. All because there are some Pharisees who are complaining that Jesus is sharing table fellowship with not only sinners, but tax collectors. So as we read this parable, listen for a word from God from Luke 15, verses 11 through 32. Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So the father divided up his property between them. A few days later, the young son gathered all that he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But he came to himself and he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned before heaven and before you. Treat me. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him. I was filled with compassion, and he ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now the father's elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. The slave replied, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then the elder brother became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, and you killed the fatted calf for him? Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life, He was lost and has been found. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. 
For you are the God who runs to us, who pleads with us, who comes to us. We pray this all in your name. Amen. The prodigal son is one of Jesus' most famous parables. It's one that's captured the hearts and minds of believers for thousands of years. Its lessons and motifs have been expressed in paintings and hymns and songs. The story itself has been retold in different ways over and over again. It's, it's one that strikes us that we know that's a part of us. It captures the complete generosity and grace of God in such lovely terms. And because of its popularity, I'm sure you've heard a sermon or 12 on this text. I'm sure you've read it before. We've read it twice this morning with the children's sermon. But there's something beautiful about coming back to Jesus' words that something new comes every time we approach them that there is always new things to be learned about who God is. I've often heard it told and thought this myself, that essentially we have two types of people. We have the people who are the younger brother, those people who have run away from God or maybe never knew God, and yet God welcomes them home no matter what brokenness they're in. And then we have the other person, typically paradigmically as the older brother, which is the churchgoer, the one who's always done what they're supposed to, but they feel shortchanged at following the rules and grace being given to these non-rule followers. But I don't think this text is describing two people. I don't think Jesus works in those binaries. I think what Jesus is describing is one person. Jesus is describing all of humanity. Jesus is describing you and me. We are both the younger and the elder brother. We have this ever-changing relationship with God and God's love with us. There are times in our life when we leave the Father. There are periods where we receive the inheritance of grace and love, and we walk away. Sometimes it's not even a conscious walking away, but perhaps it's just the busyness of life have drifted us from God. Maybe the stress of family life is so chaotic that it's easier to find solace in the arms of TV than in the arms of God. Or perhaps there have just been disappointment after disappointment after disappointment in our relationships. And so we've put up a wall between us and God. There are many ways we can walk away from God. When the son walks away from the father, he isn't just making an economic decision. It's not even just a cultural decision of taking the money, saying, I wish you were dead to his father but he's also making a religious one. The way the Jewish people saw land was it was an inheritance from God to be kept in the family. And so he's asking his father to sell this gift from God so that he can leave. He's walking away from his community of faith. He's walking away from his tradition. He's walking away from the promises God has given him. He's walking away from his duties as a son. He's walking away from the love of the Father to find something different. Perhaps to find himself, perhaps to find meaning. And yet, 
in the face of all this abandonment and all this pain and hurt, the Father, the Lord God, rushes out to welcome the Son home in unconditional, extravagant love. He holds him, and he kisses him, and he cries over him, and he loves him, something a patriarch of that time would never do. But he skirts all social boundaries to show his love for his son. The younger son has come back destitute, humiliated, impure. He's been eating with impure animals of pigs, and yet the father holds him. The overwhelming generosity and grace of God welcomes him home. So when you have those moments in your life that you have drifted from God, maybe you are just unmoored and you can still see the shore, or maybe you've drifted so far that you are oceans away and you forget what the shore looks like. Always God is pursuing you with love and generosity. But there are also moments when we are the older brother, the one who refuses to celebrate, the one who refuses to reconcile, who feels forgotten, even though he's done his duty over and over again. The older brother's relationship is fractured with the father and with his brother. He refuses to call him brother. When he speaks to the father, he says, this son of yours who has spent your property with prostitutes. He refuses to call him brother. But the father reminds the brother that even in his anger and his self-righteousness and his refusing to celebrate, that the father loves him, that the father will be with him even in his bitterness. If we recall, the father has left the banquet The father has abandoned his dinner guest, another huge breach of etiquette for the host to leave. Yet he leaves to plead and to sit with the older brother, asking him to return. The father's generosity, the father's hope of repairing relationships, the father's love and grace are willing to step over all social hurdles in order to rescue and to love his children. The father concludes his plea in the conversation saying, Son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. The Lord God reminds the older brother and reminds us that even those people in our lives that we have broken relationships with, They are still our brother or sister or sibling in Christ. That we are called to love as God has loved us. The truth is that God will continue reconciling our relationship with God no matter how many times we cause God pain. And that is God's unimaginable generosity. That is God's unimaginable love. When I think of this generous love, I'm reminded of a story of a boy named Daniel. Now, Daniel can't remember ever sleeping laying down to the age of seven, not because he enjoyed sitting up, but because he shared a crib with one other boy in an orphanage in Romania. To the age of seven, he sat there with that other boy and never felt another adult hold him. 
Well, eventually he was adopted by a family from America, and so he comes over. And initially things are well, they're happy to be together. But the trauma of his youth starts to reel its head, and he becomes angry. As he begins to confront his trauma of his early life, he grows angry at his new parents, angry at his life, angry at the world around him. He begins to lash out first emotionally at his parents and then physically. He gave his parents bruises and black eyes. He had the cops called on him several times. At one point, his mother felt so unsafe alone with him that they hired someone else to be present when they had to be alone together. Essentially, they hired a bodyguard in their own home. When the interviewer asked about the kind of absurdity of this question, the mother said, like, why did you stay with him? He said, she said, I couldn't imagine anything else. He was my son, and I was going to be with him. And so they sought out help, and a psychologist suggested a treatment where Daniel and his mother spend all their time together because he missed the closeness of a loving adult for his first seven years, and so now was the time to try it. So his mother quit her job. Daniel dropped out of school for a moment, and they were together within three feet of each other all the time. Unless they were sleeping or in the restroom, they were within three feet of each other. And obviously, Daniel did not enjoy this. And when he got angry or when he refused to participate in what they were trying to do, his punishments weren't to time out. His punishments were long hugs from his mother or moments of deep eye contact. And as 16-year-old Daniel is recounting this in the interview, he says, you know, after about four months, I realized my mother wasn't such a bad person. I realized she was going to stay with me and be with me. So Daniel started to do better in school. And eventually, his mother received a call from their rabbi that Daniel had received the Brickner Award, which was for the valid Victorian of the confirmation class. Quite an accomplishing feat, considering that for a while he was kicked out of the synagogue because they had to call the police so many times before. And part of receiving this award, he got to give a speech to the congregation. And in his speech, he began to shake towards the end as he was thanking his parents. He thanked his parents for all the places they took him, even when he refused to go. In an interview with his mother, she explained that the goal when they adopted Daniel could never be to receive love from him, but only to love him. If their goal was to receive love from him, they would have been destroyed. But instead, they wanted to provide an environment where Daniel felt love and attached to others for the first time in his life. And that is ultimate love, without the expectation of being loved back. And that is God's love. God has loved us first. God has loved us with the knowledge that we will hurt God over and over and over again, that we'll walk away. Yet God's generous love pursues us over and over and over again. 
whether we are walking away, whether we are wandering, whether we are bitter, whether we are complaining, whether we are bemoaning our circumstances, God's love remains true. God beckons us back. God runs to us. God leaves the party for us. God shuns all social etiquette for us. God never leaves us, constantly bringing reconciliation into our lives. Friends, church beloved, you are loved with an unimaginable love by the creator God of the universe. And thanks be to God for that. Amen.